0: Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Epic
1: Knight. And I'm Andrew
0: Nicholl. And today we have a very special episode. This is a bonus episode because it is the full audio from our recent webinar with Ilse Wolf about how to cash flow hack your property investment portfolio using a renovation based strategy.
1: This is an amazing webinar. Ilse is really special and we're really happy to have her on our team. So uh, listen up. And if you want to watch the video as well, go to our website, opuspartners.co.nc. forward slash previous hyphen webinars. And we'll also link to that in the show notes as well. So settle in, it's about an
0: hour and a half long, or if you want to skip this one and just listen to the 15 minute episodes, feel free to skip. Hello, everybody. Welcome along to another month, another webinar. Let me turn down a little bit of vanilla ice there. I hope you enjoyed that. Now, the reason that we had that on there tonight is of course, we're talking about the Burr strategy. It is getting cold here. And so we uh, have a little bit of vanilla ice coming out throughout the webinar. Now, I'm very excited because we are joined by a fantastic lineup today and we are in particular, going to be hearing quite a bit from Ilsa Wolf, who is uh, one of my new colleagues. And we first of all met her through the Property Academy podcast. She listened to it, and then we realized she was a fantastic renovator. And so she's joining us. And so we're going to hear about some of her really interesting properties, some of the projects she's been working on, which helps her to cash flow hack and beat some of these government tax changes, which we're going to be talking about today. Now, Andrew, let's make sure everybody can hear you. Uh, can hear say okay? something.
1: Test, test, test. Hello, I can hear myself.
0: Fantastic. And Elsa, can we hear you?
2: Hi, everybody. Can you hear me? Okay.
0: I think we can hear you. Fantastic.
1: Very upsetting that Elsa, the brand new one, is the best dressed of all of us. Well, I tried my best. I
0: thought about some things that I might put on, but no, unfortunately, not for tonight. In that case. Now, hey, shall we rock into this? It is 7.03, let's get into this. I've got a bit of housekeeping to get into before we uh, actually jump into it and share some of this fantastic content. So let's get into it. So welcome along, everybody. If you haven't met me before, my name is Ed McKnight. I am an economist here at Opus Partners. And I'm the host of the Property Academy podcast and a property investor. If you haven't listened to the Property Academy podcast, we're very pleased that it is the number one business podcast in New Zealand. And we produce a show every single day. I'm also the vice president of the Data Nerd Association. And here sitting to my left is Andrew Nickel. He's a financial advisor, authorized financial advisor, hosts the Property Academy podcast with me and massive property investor, an enormous portfolio there. Uh, and if you haven't heard from him before, if this is your first time, um, we've recorded so many webinars, I would recommend you go back and listen to those. He is the president of the Data Nerd Association of New Zealand. But today, we thought we'd do something that we're not very good at. And I'm not talking about renovations, I'm talking about shutting up, because most of tonight is actually about Ilsa and her portfolio and sharing some of the amazing things she's done with you guys. So she is a renovations focused property investor. She's been featured in a whole heap of magazines, the Property Investor Magazine, Juno Investing Magazine and she's been on the Property Academy podcast as well. And we're very pleased that she has been joining us here at Opus Partners to start this new renovation service, which we're officially launching tonight. We'll talk more about it at the end. It is called Opus Accelerate, but more on that little bit of housekeeping before I officially hand it over to ilsip So you're going to get the whole webinar for free. Any data that we release tonight, you're going to be able to get that on the Opus Partners website. We're going to have a Q&A at the end. There are going to be some polls that come up, so make sure you look out and participate in those. And this is being recorded. I know we're going to get asked this still probably about 10 times, but this is being recorded. You'll get this at the end. Um, any source and slides we don't send out. One little tip as well for this webinar, I just recommend that when you're chatting back and forth with us, please do set your chat to panellists and all attendees. That means that everybody can see it, everybody on this webinar tonight, and I know there are a couple of hundred people on here. That just means that we can all chat back and forth. Fantastic. Let's get into it. But before I hand it over to Ilsa, I just want to set the scene. It was only five weeks ago that we were sitting here at last month's webinar talking about the government changes that had dropped that exact day. And we did a whole webinar on this. And so Cash flow hacking your investment properties is becoming even more important. The reason is that property investors, especially ones investing in existing properties, are about to pay a whole heap more tax because the interest deductibility is being taken away. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been putting together some cash flow models so that we can really show you the difference that that makes. And I want to show you this property here. So this is a pretty stock standard 600 k property renting for about $550 a week. And what would predict the cash flow of that property would be over the next 15 years. You can see that in about year six, it starts to go negative. That's because we're forecasting higher interest rates at that period. But all up, you can see it's cash flow positive the vast majority of the time. Here is the cash flow now that the government tax changes are being introduced massively negatively geared once those interest rates start to rise. And actually, if this was a property purchased after the March 27th date, that's the trigger for where in terms of where interest deductibility is being phased out versus being taken off straight away. It would be even worse in that case. Now, the key message that I want you to take away is this, that if you wanted to be in the same position after these changes come in, as you were before the changes came in, you would need to increase your rent straight away by 29%. So there are two major ways that you can react to the government tax changes. The first thing you can do is you can invest in properties that are not impacted by them. So that's new builds in this case, because we're expecting that these are going to be exempt from those changes. The other thing, which is what we're going to talk about tonight, is running the BIRS strategy, renovating properties to increase their value and then increase the rent that you are able to charge. So that's the other way of increasing your rent by that 29% so that you're able to continue investing and not be affected by those government tax changes. So there are three things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Burr strategy. That's the standard renovation strategy. We're going to talk about cash flow hacking. That's ILSA's approach to the BRRRR strategy. And then Ilsa's going to run us through several case studies so you can get a sense of ways that you can practically increase the value of your properties and increase the cash flow to counteract these government tax changes. And with that, I'll hand it over to ILSA, pop my headphones in and take it away.
2: Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Andrew. Hi, everybody. Um, Great to be speaking with you tonight. See 1,500 people listening to me speak about property. It seems a little bit dangerous, <laughs> hmm. um, but really, I'm really excited to be here and to be joining the team. Uh, we've got some great content tonight, um, so to, to really crack into it, um, the brewer strategy. Uh, hopefully, all of you are familiar with it, but just to define the brewer strategy, um, it is a tried and true strategy that is a long-term buy and hold wealth and cash flow and somewhat cash flow creating strategy. Um, If you're here, um, because you're here tonight, you probably fall into one of two camps. Either you um, have primarily been investing in new builds or turnkey property solutions, uh, which are already generating cash flow and will be exempt from the new government tax changes. Or you um, could be an aspiring investor and you're you're curious about the the borough strategy, which is an active strategy, and you want to know how to really maximize the output and get the, the best gains from this. Or uh, you could be an existing investor who already has some existing properties, uh, which are either neutral or negatively geared perhaps. Um, And with these recent tax changes, you are now looking at quite a negatively geared uh, property or portfolio of properties. Uh, And I know for myself in in the past, where um, if you've heard me on the um, Property Academy podcast, I talked about there was a a time when um, I did have a couple of heavily negatively geared properties because of those high interest costs. So this webinar is is going to show you how to really nail the strategy. So the BRRRR strategy, it is, um, it, it, this is where you really want to buy. So there, there's a question around which is the most important letter of the strategy. So. It's, it is a trick question. So all of the letters in the acronym are really dependent on each other. Uh, starting with the B, it is arguably the most important for it will set you out on the right path, the better you execute with the buy, buying correctly. Then we're going to renovate, you renovate the property to maximize both the equity and um, increase the income on that. Then you're going to rent it out. And this is not a going through the motion strategy. Um, it is an active strategy where you don't necessarily need to do the physical work yourself um, you get the option you can either hire project managers hire the professionals. Um, I myself have found that by by beginning um, being hands-on myself um, it was a great way for me to understand how the strategy worked and to understand the different trades Um, and after you rent it out you were going to refinance and by having executed well on the buy the renovate and the rent aspects of that you set yourself to refinance on the best for the best possible outcome, in order for you to most critically repeat, and that is the whole purpose of the strategy. Uh, and now, so cash flow hacking. Uh, so this is what I would call the Burr strategy on steroids. It is the icing on the cake to use Ed's earlier ice ice baby um, yes. analogy. So to cash flow hack, there there are several reasons why you would want to do this um, on top of the Burr strategy from an equity point of view. Uh, the burst strategy plus cash flow hacking is for the person who does not want to wait for the organic market growth uplift. Um, I'm sure everyone here has heard someone say uh, from an older generation, "Ah, oh, if only I'd bought more of those $15,000 properties back in 1985." You can be those people. <laughs> so with the burst strategy, it enables you to keep purchasing at a frequency that suits you, and by Purchasing as early as possible, your average cost of property is lower, and therefore, throughout your lifetime, uh, you will be able to see compounded benefits of each of those properties as you go. From an income perspective, from a cash flow perspective, you were trying to increase your passive income. It re- reduces your reliance on the nine to five work situation, if that's what um, one of your objectives is. And what it does is it actually pulls pulls towards you rent from in the future. That's how I like to think of it. So we're going to look at the rents that we will achieve on um, the BRRRR strategy with cash flow hacking actually give you access to rents that would be seven, eight, nine, even 10 years out into the future. Uh, And the average property is only held for around seven, seven and a half years in New Zealand. So these are rents that you would otherwise not even get to um, for the average property. So those are the definitions and um, combined Uh, The BRRRR strategy plus cash flow hacking is really what I would call the BRRRR strategy on steroids to maximize the outcomes for someone like yourselves, investors who would like to be in control of the pace, uh, the outcomes uh, of your investment strategy with property investment.
0: So let me just make sure that I've got this 100% right. So the BRRRR strategy is our stock standard renovations based strategy. We were going out renovating and refinancing properties Cash flow hacking is an Ilse Wolf playbook for how to run the birth strategy correct. Is that kind of right?
2: That's right. <laughs> of course, yes. And the whole purpose behind it is I, I was, through my experience, I've wanted to create a system that would maximize both the equity and the cash flow output from every single one of my projects and for my clients because. In order for the strategy to be a success, you need to refinance in order to repeat by absolutely nailing the equity and the cash flow hand in hand by looking for the right property, renovating it correctly, maximizing the rent appropriately for the property and its location sets you in the best um, stead to be able to keep repeating.
0: Fantastic. Now, Ilsa, take us through how this works in practice. Talk about this one that we've got here. Which I believe was your one in Glenview H- Hamilton. So
2: yes, so for those who have listened to um, my episode on the Property Academy podcast, uh, this is a property in I Road that I went through in some detail on the on the podcast. Um, it's in Glenview Hamilton, um, and this is a really uh, what I have called my best case for one of my late 2020 projects. Um, It was one that I came across by chance, um, actually around the corner renovating. So really keeping your eyes peeled, I thought it was quite bizarre that on the main road leading into Hamilton, this property was... Uh, once I looked it up online and seen how long it had been online for I thought this is just really bizarre so in practice um, this property um, first of all was cockroach infested it had a family living in here who were not particularly hygienic there were there were bugs through the kitchen it was really run down but at the same time there was so much potential in this property Um, upon viewing it in person uh, I realized that the real icing on the cake with this one was that it had actually been um, incorrectly marketed uh, it was simply marketed with the total number of bedrooms and bathrooms. There was no signposting of the fact that it was a, ho- a home and income. Um, the reason for that was that the minor dwelling was slightly, um, well, it was, it was not, it was consented as an extra living space, but the plumbing was illegal. So these are a couple of snapshots of the before, the upstairs bathroom, a pokey little kitchen upstairs as well, uh, which we took care of. And to give you an idea of some of the the condition of the exterior cladding and the dated look inside.
0: Well, let me ask you this, Elsa. What are some of the things you did here?
2: Great. Well, let's let's look at the floor plan. Okay. So this property is a two-story main dwelling. Um, What you can see here is it's a little bit, I'll just explain what I can what you can see here. So the the, to the right hand side of the screen is the lower floor of the main dwelling. And to the left is the minor dwelling. Uh, It's a strange configuration that minor dwelling was sort of a um, an extra dog leg off the end of the bottom floor of the uh, the main dwelling. Sorry. So um, both floor plans were completely legal but as you can see there in the minor dwelling there is a living kitchen so the kitchen and the bathroom the plumbing was actually illegal Um, so that was where I saw a huge opportunity here Um, and also if you go uh, back to the main dwelling there Ed and click to the next slide if we look at the upstairs uh, of the main dwelling um, there is an opportunity with this floor plan so I walked up the stairs I saw a bedroom to my left a bedroom to my right walked along the hall, There is a large living and dining and a pokey little kitchen uh, to the far left.
0: Now, Ilsa, I know one of your big tactics is to add an extra bedroom to properties. So we're gonna put a poll across everybody's screen so that everybody at home can say, well, where do they think that Ilsa put that extra bedroom looking at this floor plan? David, producer David, can you put that across everybody's screens? So take 20 seconds, everyone. Look at the floor plan. Where did Ilsa put that extra bedroom? We'll read out the stats and then she will reveal it. I tried to vote since I could see the next slide. (laughs) Have we got some results, David. Let's close it off and see what people are saying. 57% of you said in the living dining room. Ilsa, where'd you put it? Let's have a look.
2: Okay. 33% of you said the kitchen that's correct
1: which is amazing i wouldn't have picked that if i um, hadn't seen the slide in advance
2: <laughs> so there were a couple of extra tricks to this reconfiguration so that this the kitchen there is roughly a seven and a half to eight square meter sized area Uh, which was, as you could see, was part of the open plan with the living and dining. Um, It it did have a pantry as well, which made it feel very, very pokey. Um, Unfortunately, behind that was the bathroom and uh, cutting out some space um, from some usable space was the fact that the hot water cupboard was between the pantry and the bathroom. Now, this property already had gas, uh, it had gas heating. So what we what I did was uh, actually remove the hot water cylinder. Uh, we t- we um, installed an infinity gas line so that all of the water would be heated by gas as well, which meant that we could pull out the pantry from the kitchen, add roughly another half square meter to that new fourth bedroom upstairs. And we stole the old hot water cupboard cavity uh, closed up the door that was previously uh, facing the hallway and we uh, created a doorway into that bedroom. So it served perfectly as a single bedroom wardrobe. And therefore, what we could then do was move the kitchen into the large living dining area Uh, and make it more prominent as a feature, which actually made the property feel a lot more modern because kitchens are a part of that living space these days. They're not hidden away in the corner of a a house. And that was really one of the aspects that made the house feel quite dated.
0: Well, let's look at that kitchen then. You must be pretty proud of this.
2: Really? I had so much fun designing this. Uh, Often when you're looking to put properties on the market, it's probably more so true for flipping, but going with generic colors and, and generic palettes or clean white and gray palettes, I thought, no, I'm going for fun for this. This is a buy and hold. I'm going to experiment with a few different suppliers, textures,
1: colors, and yeah, it was great.
0: Now, let's look at some of those pictures as well, Andrew. What do you think of these?
1: I, I was just saying that that, it's, um, that looks amazing.
0: And then let's look at the difference between the two kitchens. You can see the pokey one on the left, the modern one on the right. Andrew, uh, or sorry, producer David, let's get those slides back up if we can. I'd love to show you the bathrooms as well. Also, talk to us about these.
2: Sure. <laughs> this is the upstairs bathroom. Uh, it was at the time the main bathroom. What we don't have a photo here, but um, what was even worse was the bathroom downstairs, which was a combined laundry bathroom, but um, really unfinished. It didn't feel like a space that you'd want to spend time in at all. Um, I completely flipped it around. The space downstairs was much larger. So I took, I removed the bath from this one and added the bath, uh, a lovely stand-up bath downstairs into that larger bathroom where that then became more of the family bathroom. Uh, and then here, what we did was, you'll see in the before picture on the left, the glass was very dated and actually it was no longer Safe glass, especially not glass that should be within a shower, where where the space would be, uh, you know, slippery, and there and there really is a, um, a safety factor there, uh, health and safety factor. So um, completely brought that up to spec, had toughened glass, uh, converted it into a walk-in modern tiled uh, walk-in shower, so that is um, wall and floor tiles, and completely modernised it, replaced the vanity, replaced the fixtures, um, again changed the pressure, so from a low pressure to a mains pressure, far better shower experience, uh, and then also onto gas infinity, so endless hot water, far better experience. And I know
0: you guys are going to be really surprised at how little Ilsa spent on this renovation. We're going to go through the numbers in a second, but Ilsa, just walk us through the social benefit of this renovation. Talk to us about how many people can now live in this property.
2: Yeah, and, and well, the, the property as it were before with the illegal plumbing um, shouldn't have had the two people that were in it previously. So the actual property itself had legal, legal ability to house, say, four people, a family or a uh, set of professional people who would perhaps want to work at the hospital nearby. Uh, we managed to increase the capacity by legalizing that minor dwelling. And that's one of the things I do love about the strategy is that it actually doubled the number of people that can house from four to eight.
0: Amazing work as well. Now we're going to get the slides sorted in a second, and we're going to be talking about the numbers of this, but also reveal to us how much did you actually spend on this renovation?
2: So this was a large house, around one hundred and thirty-five square meter house, plus the minor dwelling, which we did a quick spruce up on inside with the um, legal uh, legalising of the plumbing, plus the consent paperwork at council plus the draft uh, draftsman requirement to get that paperwork through. So the combined renovation cost was $70,000, which was really cost effective for that size of renovation.
0: Okay, but let's take it back and talk about the first part of the bird, the buy. So you purchased this for four twenty five. dollars What was it actually worth at the time? It
2: was, it had a fair market value of 575. We purchased for 425. So we banked an immediate $150,000.
0: Amazing buying. And for anybody who wants to learn more about that, we do have that on the Property Academy podcast. It also walked through the total details. But after you spent 70K on it, oh, it's already on the slide. Talk to us about (laughs) how much it was worth after you'd done that.
2: So, yeah, so the post-renovation valuation came in at $850,000. Um, so we made we made um, equity instantly at the buy part of the strategy and then through the renovations as well. So it was a double hitter. Um, the great thing about this property is that there still is another opportunity um, because we are going to um, reclad and actually enhance the minor dwelling to bring it up to a better condition again and replace the kitchen. So upgrade the kitchen, upgrade the fittings in the bathroom uh, and give it a, um, a cleaner look inside to modernize it. So the rent will increase again.
0: Amazing. Now talk to us about that rent in that case. How did you get it up by over $500? (laughs)
2: so the house before as I said was in a real poor state Uh, the two combined rents actually were $540 and that included the minor dwelling which actually shouldn't have been rented out at all Uh, through that renovation through adding the bedroom which is absolutely number one of the cash flow hack system you must add a bedroom to really boost the cash flow and then through really enhancing the living features so creating that second bathroom into a real family bathroom, having a really wow factor kitchen, um, and then a full cosmetic renovation throughout, plus the healthy home standards, which of course you need to factor into any purchase that you make, making sure that it meets those those criteria. Um, We got the rent up to $1,060. Once we go through that extra um, renovation, that will probably boost by another $20 or $30 immediately.
0: Okay because this is the most important thing but because we're talking about cash flow today so what i want to show you is what the cash flow would look like if Ilsa bought this property at $575,000 and rented it out as it was at $540 a week it would be negative 84k over that full time over those full 15 years once interest rates go up and of course with the government having no interest deductibility there once that comes in from October the 1st this year. So only through a significant renovation, buying well, using some of these tactics, does a property go from being heavily negatively geared to then being very heavily positively geared over that time. Because we are forecasting that this property is going to make in cash flow 220K over the next 15 years because we've gone through, or Ilsa has gone through, I should say, along with their family and updated this property, made it so that more people can legally live in it and therefore rent it out at a better market rent. It's a better property because of that. That's a total difference of about 304K. But Ilsa, I do want to disclaimer this. Tell us, the, the the truth as well around is every renovation going to be like this
2: not at all as i say that that was definitely a best practice that was the the icing on the cake for 2020 uh the the results can massively vary and it really comes down to so many variables knowing what to look for really helps you <laughs> avoid some of those uh frogs toads toads <laughs>
1: you gotta kiss some frogs to meet the prince <laughs> well, Ed only had to kiss one. Hi, hey, um, Elsa, just while I'm... I'm just going to take my headphones out because it's repeating. Um, I just had quite a few questions around consents that you required. So um, quite a number of people asking about the tiles, a lot of people asking about the change of ro- uh, rooms. Uh, do you want to just talk about that?
2: Yes, and because we, with the minor dwelling, it did require a consent, uh, so we wrapped up a few um, details into there. So, so tiling and the waterproofing does require consent. Uh, we weren't replacing tiles that were already there. As you would have seen in the the before photos, it was a sort of an old formica, which definitely wasn't waterproof. We found a lot of rot under that. Um, But with the minor dwelling specifically by through due diligence um, and the contract, having those 10 working days to find out what was on the council file, what was actually, what should be on the property versus what shouldn't. That was how we identified that the plumbing was illegal. Uh, So the consent process that we went through for that was to separate a legal ancillary or secondary uh, legal dwelling for the site so without having gone through that process the property should have only had a single tenancy Um, and if that could have been one option to to renovate and actually restore it to that um, but actually the opportunity was there to improve the the cash flow such as we did that it was worthwhile going through the process in terms of the cost uh, the The building consent building consent cost with Hamilton City Council was about uh, from memory five or six thousand dollars. And on top of that, we had draftsman fees of another two or three. So it added to it, it was an administrative cost that did add to that renovation, but it was obviously very well worth it.
0: Fantastic. Now let's get into the cash flow hacking side because Ilsa has six key principles for how to cash flow hack a renovation, which he's going to go through. So Ilsa, walk us through these principles.
2: Great. So First and foremost, as I said before, always add an extra bedroom. Uh, And even though I've said it, it's one thing that I got wrong on the very first um, execution I also mentioned on the Property Academy episode uh, a few weeks back was I made the mistake of thinking, oh, I love this property. It's the worst property. Um, on the street, I'll I'll get this property under contract, and then I'll work out how I can add the bedroom into the floor plan. It didn't work out, um, as you would have heard on the podcast if you'd listened. It didn't get this, the same result in terms of equity gain or cash flow rental gain that I was looking for. So this is absolutely by by criteria one to to optimise the burr plus cash flow hacking system.
0: And ballpark, what equity and rental increase can you expect from this?
2: Right, so in terms of equity, it varies from city to city. Uh, and the la- I've, what I have found is the larger the city with the more consistent capital gains, um, the higher the equity gain. Um, so that 150K plus is generally there or thereabouts what you can expect to add with a, um, and this is in the context of the other factors. So making sure that overall you improve the overall condition of the property, you should be well north of the 150K.
0: And what about cash flow?
2: And in terms of cash flow, yes, roughly 15% extra. I would, say, I would argue even more. The, the competition and the demand for rent would definitely suggest right now that you would be looking north of 15%. But hey, looking at the very basics, 15% is, half, is more than half of that 29% uh, rental increase that we are looking for in order to neutralize those um, interest deductibility um, removal issues.
0: Fantastic. And then principle number two, assess the rental options.
2: Yes. So this really is um, getting into the, the core of the system. So um, the cash flow hacking system. So, you know, you start looking at properties by swiping through Trade Me Online through the 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 um, newspapers. And until you get to site, sometimes it's not absolutely clear as to what the best way is to optimize the cash flow off that property. And the reason that is, is that you can look at floor plans online and they can give you a general guide. They are not always to scale. But the other thing is you need, there are many factors on site that you will find as to how a property or a house will lend itself to adding bedrooms or being renovated. Um, One of those factors is the layout of the windows can be a really good hint as to whether a dining room, for example, can be converted into a bedroom. Um, But when you're on site, you need to look at, okay, where is this property? What street am I in? What suburb? What are the amenities? Am I close to a hospital? Am I close to schools, universities? And therefore, what is the appropriate use of that property, how can I appropriately renovate that property in order for it to fit in, for me to maximize um, the the rental return and the equity gain in a way that actually does fit. Um, There are properties you could walk into and try and force an extra bedroom on, but if you ruin the, the layout and the flow what, I, what is the pit the people flow and how the occupants would live in there you can actually reduce the return uh, if a, a valuer or an agent or a potential future buyer could walk into that place and feel that it hasn't been done correctly and you would know it yourself if you tried to force that
0: fantastic let's move on to principle number three which is kitchen and bathrooms talk us about the return we'd expect to get from these
2: great So kitchens and bathrooms are really high on the priority list as well so after adding that extra bedroom, kitchens and bathrooms are one of the most common uh, most popular photos you know that people will look for when they are looking to rent. So if you put yourself in the, in the um, tenant's shoes when they're scrolling through all of the options on trade me for a place that they are looking to rent, um, a sparkly new kitchen, a clean, fresh, bright, uh, well-lit space in the kitchen is going to really pique that tenant's interest and they're really going to fight for that over the one that has the original kitchen that's outdated, perhaps doesn't have facilities like dishwashers um, and, and new faucets and things that work well. So, um, so. The actual investment into a kitchen should be somewhere between five and 10K for an investment property. It needs to be appropriate, of course, um, for the suburb. So a $5,000 kitchen um, in somewhere in Manico um, can suit really well, whereas um, a property that we're reno- we are renovating in Grey Lynn, I would look definitely more towards the 10k, and you'd want to spec it and choose um, fittings. You would want to choose the tabletops to suit that location. You will easily get a two to three times return on the equity, um, and it will also boost the cash flow.
0: And bathrooms,
2: bathrooms similar, uh, two to six k, uh, 1000 dollars to be spent on that. Um, simply by refreshing the look through replacing the vanity, um, increasing, uh, enhancing some storage, uh, replacing the tiles or changing some of those finishes. Sometimes you can walk into a property where the vanity has not been waterproofed. So there'll be scratches or stains or um, the paint is coming off. Um, adding those touches to finesse the room can be cheap on the cheaper end of the scale um, five or six thousand would be a complete bathroom makeover where you are replacing everything including the flooring updating the lighting to downlight, led downlights, for example and um, and having uh, a fresh shower a new bath for example all new faucets that's on the upper end of the scale you would you'd look to see at least a two times return on your, your investment there
0: okay let's get on to principle number four a fittings upgrade
2: okay. what are fittings so fitting so as you view properties you'll go through the house and you'll note sort of the doorknobs Uh, the light fixtures, the type of the types of light fittings that are in the property. This is um, this is really uh, something that can be relatively cost effective. Um, You need to keep in factor in the fact that you will have um, the labor cost of the electrician or the tradespeople who would need to come and replace these fittings for you but usually they are quite simple replacements and so they shouldn't cost you a lot but the perception of that modern Uh, fit out can have a huge uplift on both the equity um, and the quality of tenant that you can attract to your property as well. So up to that $15,000 return.
0: Okay, and we have two more principles for cash flow hacking. Talk to us about paint refreshes.
2: Paint refresh. And this is, this is a great one. I think Andrew's talked to, to it many times. It's something that if you wanted to get hands on yourself as the investor, you can jump in at this point. Um, of course, you need to make sure you have a good plus to finish or that the, the canvas is ready for you to paint. Um, this could be as cheap as a few hundred dollar buckets of paint, pails of paint, if you were going to do it yourself. Um, Otherwise you can pay a professional. For an average house that may be say 90 to 100 square meters inside, uh, you wouldn't look to spend more than $5,000 to have a professional refresh your house inside, but it gives it such a modern look. Uh, White, um, various iterations of white are the most popular colors to refresh houses these days, and they really make a difference for the tenants. It makes it far more appealing. It will um, also smooth over any kind of wear and tear that may have been left by past tenants. And it will increase your, you can increase your investment up to two or three times
0: on that. And now our final one, carpet replacement
1: Sometimes.
2: Sometimes, yes. So the flooring um, same similar as with the painting or the walls, the flooring can have a huge um, impact. And that is because flooring takes such a heavy wear and tear from tenants or or its occupants. So um, uh, upgrading the carpet can have a huge impression, Um, you know, get rid of all the worn carpet, but equally other types of flooring as well carpet isn't always the most appropriate to use so once you have decided what it is either replacing the lino um, upgrading with some tiles or simply replacing with a fresh um, carpet can be good the reason I say sometimes is that um, I have had properties in the past where they have been maybe four or five years old the carpets or the floorings and um, with a professional carpet clean they've come up really really well Um, and so where I haven't been when the total renovation hasn't been Leaning on the uplift value of the flooring so much, I've tended to have it then professionally cleaned, and then that hasn't hindered my progress at all.
0: Now, also, we're getting quite a few people saying those costs seem quite cheap, are they? <laughs>
2: Uh, I mean, they are open-ended values. Uh, The figures that I've given there, um, there probably would be an element of some um, wholesale pricing or um, preferential supplier pricing. Um, So that is definitely um, a benefit of having uh, set up a company. So buying properties through a company. Again, you would need to speak with your accountant and lawyer as to what the best setup is for you. But I run my um, properties as a business. So through that business, I can have wholesale accounts through uh, various um, you know flooring paint um, and even trade accounts through places like Mitre 10 and Bunnings that makes that brings the cost down but what I'm giving you there is a ballpark figure for say a 90 to 100 square meter house that may be a two to three bedroom conversion.
0: Fantastic now let's talk about the five things within cash flow hacking that we're not interested in that you tend to ignore.
2: Okay. So these are some general ideas to give you a feel for things that don't necessarily need to be replaced. Um, use your discretion as needed, obviously, case by case with the properties. But I've found rather than replace, um, sometimes a good scrub can really improve things like a greening fence. You really do want that curb appeal, both for the valuer um, to get your end result and also for your prospective tenants. It also sets the tone for the condition that you want your tenants to maintain, of course, once they're in there. Um, So giving them a good scrub or repainting the letterbox rather than having to replace the letterbox entirely can be a cheaper option. Um, Overgrown gardens, don't go overspending on landscaping make sure the landscaping or the efforts you put into that, if any, are appropriate for the suburb and uh, comparable to what the neighbors are doing in the street and the surrounding streets. Carpets, as I mentioned, can be cleaned rather than replaced. Same with floors, they take um, heavy wear and tear, but with a good scrub, professional clean, they can be as good as new and and, and completely fit for purpose. Um, Dry dry cleaning curtains is also another good one. Um, I have in the past been too quick to just throw out um, when the first skip comes in, throw out all those old chatters And actually, sometimes when I look back, it it wasn't really needed every time. A good dry clean can make curtains, can do wonders for curtains. And there um, are some uh, providers, I know of one in Auckland called the Curtain Clinic, which can actually, curtains that you would think were um, on their last legs can be completely restored. So just look into your options. Don't always think that uh, some of these chattels need to be
0: replaced. And I know some people might be thinking, Uh, Some people might be thinking, but I'd pay for a nice garden, right? What would you generally say to that, Ilsa, people who want to do more than some of the things that we're saying or suggesting people shouldn't do?
2: Sure, there there is a correct way to renovate. You know, there are so many options when you approach a property, you you could be tempted to do everything and think that every dollar you put in is going to bring you two or $3 back, but that is not the case. Uh, Renovating properly and appropriately for the location and for the type of property is absolutely key to making sure that your ultimate goal is going to be to refinance and repeat the strategy in order for you to grow your portfolio. And similarly, you need to present a property Property that is going to be right for the tenant that is going to be maintainable don't think that um, by um, adding rows of hedges and, cr- and adding a lot of greenery is going to serve you when it then becomes a cost for maintenance ongoing which is actually your cost as the landlord too. Um, keep it simple you need to kn- learn where to focus the dollars to make sure that you're maximizing that return because that is the key here not not spending dollars for dollars sake
0: And I think being very focused with those dollars is particularly important. So we are getting quite a lot of comments in the chats that I've seen with people saying, look, I think those reno costs are really low. So Ilsa, walk us through our next case study. And can you break down for us exactly what you were spending in different areas so people can see that the costs you're talking about are reasonable and that that's actually what you're doing in practice? This next one we've got, I believe, is in Whangarei. Talk to us about this one.
2: Sure. Okay. Yes, this is in Whangare. I see you keep the emojis there on the left. So, <laughs> so this is, um you know, if you, if you saw, drove past this property, you think it looks like a relatively average property, right? Um, so what we're doing is taking a seemingly average property and the purpose is to create an exceptional property, Um. you know, for the risk that you were taking to put your dollars into this. This is what you want to get out. You want to return all that investment. So this is a 100 square meter Uh, single-storey weatherboard house in Whangarei. Uh, You'll see there it has three bedrooms. It's quite a typical, typically-sized property. I did actually find that this one had a slightly unusual layout, um, which did throw some curveballs, but that's for the next poll for you to um, think about what you would do with it. Three bedrooms on the left uh, as you walk down the hall, a large living room to the right of the front door as you enter, Uh, One bathroom, an average bathroom, it had one vanity, one shower over bath, very dated, the floor also slightly rotten, so um, uh, some leakage from the non-watertight linings around the shower there, and then just across the wall to the right was also the laundry heading along the hallway with the kitchen dining, um, very typical. Actually, the kitchen had been updated, I would think about 10 years ago, and actually it was in a relatively good state, completely filthy, of course, but with a good scrub actually didn't need replacing. So that had a huge, um, that caused, created a huge saving for the renovations on this. Now with this property, uh, I wanted to keep the renovation costs relatively low. So the purchase price for this house was $340,000. Um, it was a private sale, And the way that it came about um, was that the owner, the previous vendor was an owner um, of a neighboring property I was renovating again around the corner. And he had mentioned several months earlier that if I ever was looking to acquire more properties um, to tap him on the shoulder. Months went by, I forgot about that conversation. Then towards the end of last year, when property prices were going ballistic, I thought, actually, I remember that conversation and bought it. So the actual market value of the property was around $400,000. Now, the reason why the renovation, total renovation cost here I wanted to keep down was because as a proportion of that purchase price, I really didn't want to go over more than sort of the 10% mark. So, I really wanted to keep the renovation budget to around $30,000 or $40,000 at an absolute maximum to not overcapitalize. So, uh, you'll see from the following slides, actually, there is a bit of a, um, a, a trick to this one, um, a real cash flow hack, which I'm, I'm really excited to show you. But it's not. Well, don't as share know, it
0: yet. <laughs> I won't We've share got it. to do the poll first.
2: <laughs> okay, sure, sure. So, but let's, let's make- do
0: the next poll.
1: Where did Ilsa put that extra bedroom? Producer David, pop it across the screens. Just while uh, we're doing that, how long ago was this one purchased, Elsa? Sorry if you've answered that. Uh, uh,
2: sorry, um, November, but settled in January.
0: There you go. So very recent. Very recent. Now, Producer David, how are we getting on with the polls? Where are people saying, is it the living room, the laundry, the kitchen, or did she have a bedroom? Living room is leading at the moment. Let's close off the poll and see what the uh, final results are. So 65% of you said the living room, 37, uh, sorry, 10% said laundry bathroom, 17% think she did the old kitchen dining, 8% said she halved a bedroom. Ilsa, let me close that. Tell me, where did you put it?
2: Great. So... To the 65% of you who did say living room, that was my intention. When I walked into the property, I thought, oh, this is easy. Slam dunk, huge living room. I'm going to cut it in half. I'll open up the wall into the dining room and that will let light through. However, this property did have a curved wall, And this is one of the nuances you learn as you gain experience with the strategy. To the the rear wall of the living room, uh, the internal wall against the hallway actually has a, um, a brick chimney. And to remove a chimney, you do need a consent, which would slow down my process. What I decided to do was just block off the chimney entrance. um, And therefore, because of that, the um, adding the bedroom to the living room did not work. So what, um, what I actually decided to do was looking at the kitchen and dining, I carved out an area from that dining space because the living area is so large, that could easily become a combined dining and living. And with a simple change of the wall and to, and by erecting a new wall to cut off what was the old kitchen and dining, we have a fourth bedroom. So that Amazing. Bedroom and that be, rent
0: massively increased.
2: And then rent massively increased. So as an average condition property on the left, it was renting at $350 a week as I took it over from the vendor. Um, and in, just coming back to your question about the dollars around the renovation cost, um, we um, didn't change the kitchen. We replaced a few fittings and f- fixed the bathroom floor, which was rotten. Um, that was a couple of thousand dollars. And we gave it a lick of paint, um, a bit of a working bee, actually. So that was only really the cost of a few pails of paint and um, a few favours there. Um, and then it was probably about four or $5,000 in total to make the wall adjustments to create that bedroom.
1: And what was the square square of the house, just on that?
2: Uh, 100 square meters.
1: Fantastic.
0: Now, Ilsa, you mentioned that there is a massive cash flow hack here. Walk us through what that is.
2: There is a bonus cash flow hack on this property. So not only did the rent become uh, 575 with the additional bedroom to, to um, bring it up with improved condition into that upper quartile range for rents, we also added a cabin by craning it over the house.
0: Wait, you got (laughs) an actual crane?
2: Actual crane. (laughs) I don't have a photo of it, unfortunately, but actual crane. So um, with the new um, allowance to have an additional, excuse me, uh, property on site, building on site that is less than 30 square meters, um, and you need to keep in mind that these renovations, again, need to be location appropriate In every major city uh, that you you can find properties like this where it, uh, the suburb that the property is in does, adding a cabin to the back does actually suit the demographics. So this can be suburbs where you have larger families with uh, um, four, five, six children, or there are um, multi-generational um Uh, it's a multi-generational household or where there are extended um, helpers or family who come to live. This cabin out the back is a 13 square meter cabin, easily a double bedroom, fully wired. It is actually a plug-in solution. I can plug it in through the bedroom window, completely legal, completely healthy homes certified. It's insulated, painted, carpeted, curtains, ready to go. And so after adding that cabin to the back, we've effectively gone from what was an average three bedroom, one bathroom house to a four bedroom plus cabin. So five bedroom house for a large family that is more than happy to live in a place where they can all be together.
0: And tell me, what did the cabin cost?
2: Well, the cabin cost. So that was 19,000 of the 30,000. So we only spent around 10, 11,000 on the renovation to refresh the house, the main house. And then the cabin was about nineteen thousand dollars, a thousand including the shift to get it onto the site, um, and with the additional rent going from that five seventy five to the seven ninety, uh, so getting that extra what was it two twenty five uh, rent uh, per week the actual rent on that cabin alone, the ROI, the return of investment on that cabin was paid off in just over a year. It would be paid off in just over one year. So it cost 19000 The rent would be around 16000 in that first year. Absolute no-brainer. And such an extra, um, a great way to increase the passive income and offset those um, interest deductibility
0: um, costs. Now, one thing that I want to point out, Ilsa, is that if we go back here and look at the principles of cash flow hacking, you didn't use about four of them. You did a wee thing to the bathroom, but most of it was over here with adding the extra bedroom and assessing the rental options.
2: That's right. Yes. So going back to that, that absolutely critical criteria of adding an extra bedroom, we did that obviously twice, which was great, and assessing the rental options. So what we could have done was. Uh, build a larger minor dwelling which would have required council consent with the plumbing through bathroom and kitchen. But this was one that I really wanted to turn around quickly. I didn't want long holding costs while the process of renovation was in place, and we wanted to get the tenants in. There is a really high, um, very high demand for rent in Fongade at the moment. So, the, the sooner I could turn that around and get it back on the market, and I knew by using um, the Tenancy website and the Property Investor Mag to understand what the outcome rents would be, we we really stuck to what was um, going to be a focused renovation and get the dollars out quickly. Yeah, we didn't need to do the full overhaul.
0: Fantastic. And we could dig more into that as well as we get into the questions. But for now, walk us through the numbers on this property. So you bought it for 340K. The actual value was about 400K at the time. So an extra 60K. And let's get those slides across so you can push those or walk us through them for them.
2: Sure. So the property, as I said, I bought privately bought for Um, $340,000. This was actually um, during the conversations with the vendor were actually in um, the latter half of last year. The vendor himself was actually on a boat in Spain um, in the middle of the COVID Um, crisis with his life situation he really wanted to offload um, some of his properties to get some cash out to live off over there Um, so um, he happily sold the property for 340k the way that just over the period of time we were just talking and then finally went through with the deal the market obviously had been moving so quickly that um, the value um, was actually closer to $400,000 by the time we were in process with the renovation. So that was $60,000 gained there. Um, and then, as I mentioned, the renovation was a $30,000, um, $19,000 on the cabin and roughly eleven dollars on the renovation of the main house. Um, the end value um, around $500,000. Um, so we, we made an extra one hundred dollars there. So one hundred and sixty dollars in total. The and cash
1: the cash flow?
2: Really, yeah, so the cash flow really was the what made... This such a fantastic purchase. Um, I what I'm actually not looking to refinance this one straight away, which is another reason why we didn't go through all of those criteria and, and need necessarily need to go through them all for this renovation. Cash flow rent went from $350 per week to $790, including the cabin. For you know, and it would have been a perfectly great renovation without the cabin at $575, again, making up more than that 29% needed to neutralize the interest interest deductibility costs. So it was a net gain of 440 a week.
0: Well, let's look at what it would have been had you not gone through those renovations. So again, I'm gonna show you the cash flow that we would expect if this property was bought and then rented out as it had been previously. So a total of negative $62,000 over that whole time, a 15 year period just factoring in what it would have been had it not been renovated and the new additional tax and again the big thing here is this property would have been cash flow positive if not for the new taxes that are soon to be coming in but with those coming in we'd expect it to be about negative 62k over that time and again happy to answer questions Um, it'll be another hour to answer all of the questions about the cash flow forecast model but very happy to do that because that's um, my, my whole life at the moment. Let's look what the cash flow will be after these renovations. We're predicting it to be about 144k positively geared over that time because it has been cash flow hacked. That's an extra $206,000 in total. Ilse, you'll be pretty chuffed with that, surely?
2: Really happy. <laughs> really happy with that. And as I say, it is possible to do it without adding the cabin. The cabin was just something that was appropriate and we felt we'll we give it a go and it and it worked really well. So you know, and actually on that, creative.
1: Elsa, was that a um, JALCO cabin? Jayco
2: No, it's a uh, dream cabin.
1: Oh, yep, lots dream of people cabin. asking that question.
0: I expect they might have a run of customers tomorrow yeah. morning. He'll be happy. Uh, use the uh, use the uh, discount code Elsa yeah. <laughs> for for oh. your fifty percent discount. Tell them Elsa sent you.
2: Actually, I will. I will go back and ask for a um, a code for this, and we can
0: circulate that. I'm sure. Fantastic. And look, I just want to go through the whole reason why we're talking about cash flow hacking as well, and why you might go down this path. So the whole idea is that you then don't have to worry too much about these guys increasing the tax. And again, remember, it's about $5,000 per property or about multiplying your interest rate by about 1.5 times. It's pretty significant if you're going to be investing in existing properties going forward. But the idea about cash flow hacking is that you're going to then be able to make up enough Cash flow. You're going to increase the rent to the point where you're then able to counteract those taxes. You're going to have to pay them, but you're able to still keep moving ahead. Now, what I want to just mention as well also is that if people choose to go down this path, I can assu- I can assume I guess that it's probably not going to be easy, and uh, I'm I'm not sure whether you're going to kill me, but I put these ones in the in the slide deck for fun.
2: Thanks, Ed. Really. yes so no um this this is just so much fun I I really cannot stress you know this is a strategy that you can be hands-on if you like um you can employ the professionals and still make it work very um profitably for you um, to provide the lifestyle that you want it's it's not for the faint-hearted there are curveballs for sure not a single renovation will go absolutely to plan um and uh But it's just so worth it. Um, I never felt better than in the early days when I was on my feet learning this myself. It's fantastic trying something new. Um, And I knew that by doing that, I could either be in my old job and on whatever that day rate was. Um, Otherwise I could tell myself, hey, I'm out here spraying weeds and scrubbing the house. It's not glamorous, but the, the outcome means that the day has earned three, $4,000, the week has been 10 or $20,000. It's really allowing a new lifestyle. So um, if you're willing to make change and, and you want more um, for yourself, then it's a fantastic uh, strategy to have. And it, it has really has changed my life. I've built my entire portfolio using exclusively the strategy and I plan to continue doing so.
0: And the one thing that I want to talk about as well, because I've seen so many questions about this in the comments, is people asking, do you do this all yourself? Or are you using tradies?
2: Great question. Uh, I've been investing since 2007. I was a part-time investor from then. I've been hands all on deck since 2015 um, as a full-time investor. In In the first year, I did put myself... On site every day. I was very lucky to have a builder in the first um, project in um, South Auckland who mentored me through a lot and taught me a lot. Uh, there are so many details when you you know, interact with even just the language itself, um, dealing with the electrician, the plumber, the builders, the roofers, there's so much to learn that I knew for myself wanting to make it a full-time gig um, that by being on site, I could really understand the language, understand the, the ways to succeed, the pitfalls all the risks. Um, it doesn't suit everyone. It depends where you are in your journey. That was that was when I jumped in full-time. You can employ the tradies and um, the professionals to do it for you. You can also employ project managers who will manage the process for you. So you can be hands off. It depends how involved you want to get. Uh, For me personally, it was um, a great way to learn. And to also know uh, when things were going right and to also be able to call up tradies. I didn't want to be in a position where uh, I would be taken advantage of, which can sometimes sadly be the case. So the more that you educate yourself, uh, which is the very ethos of Property Academy podcast and what um, Ed and Andrew are preaching every day, the the more educated you are, um, the better the outcomes and the less likely you are to make mistakes.
0: Fantastic. Now, Ilsa, we are going to get into the Q&A in a minute, but I do want to, first of all, officially launch Opus Accelerate. So there are two pathways that people are able to go down if you want to get around, if I can use that term, the government's tax changes. Of course, you can go down the new build route, investing in properties that aren't going to be impacted by those tax changes, or you can choose to go down the borough path. Now, of course, some people are going to do it alone and go and diy it, and that's totally cool but for anybody who's looking for a bit of help a bit of coaching to get along the way today i'm just going to take a few minutes to launch opus accelerate officially and there you go there's the logo um, before we get into those questions so this is a program that i want to tell you about because what it does is ilsa is going to hold different property investors' hands and walk them through this process and help them figure this stuff out so that they are able to grow a portfolio over time. And I'm really excited about what it includes because it is so personalized. So it is 12 months of coaching with Ilsa directly. Uh, You can call and email her whenever you like throughout this program. Um, And we're intentionally keeping it small so that we're able to do that. She'll be there to create a strategy of what you'll buy and in which locations. Uh, Ilsa is very bravely going to go on site uh, with investors who want to take up this membership and take up this program so she can help identify where to put the bedroom, how those renovations are going, and how to progress this portfolio. A couple of other things includes as well, forming those renovations and floor plans together, working out where to put the rooms or whether we can get a cabin on there and if it can be craned in. And of course, sharing those contacts or those around the tradies. And of course I couldn't help myself. I had to put in as well. a whole heap of data and economic insight because I wanted to come along for the ride as well. So we will be sharing some of the data we previously haven't shared around specific areas that you're potentially going to invest in. And of course, that big old call and email, Elsa, whenever you want for the year. Now, that is a lot of stuff. And in order to be able to make sure that the people who come on this program actually get that level of service and can actually have that we are only opening it up to 12 people. There are only 12 spots available for the next six months within this program because it's the first time we're launching it and we want to get it right. And because ILSS is going to be going onto site with people, we are initially launching this only in the upper half of the North Island. So Waikato, you're in there. Uh, some parts of Bay of Plenty, we might be able to sneak in. Definitely Auckland where Ilsa's base and Whangarei as well. And the good thing about there is that gives you some variety of purchase price of entry points in terms of what it's gonna to cost to purchase a property and then renovate it. Now, because it is such a handheld service, there's an investment attached to this. And that is a total of 19.99k plus GST for the first year. And Ilsa has said that she plans that what we're going to aim for is to return that within three months. So after the first reno, and I know, Ilsa, that... First property that we talked about in Hamilton and Glenview, Hamilton, that actually took only seven months. By the uh, sorry, seven weeks that you were able to get through that for a significant uplift. So there's a bit of an investment in order to get that handheld service. We expect that return to come back extremely quickly if you're going through and doing the renovations. So what I just want to mention before we get into Q and A is that if this is tempting for you, if you're thinking, "Hey, maybe that is for me," then here's the next step. We are gonna be having some meetings with Ilsa and Andrew. You can meet them personally to first of all, put a plan together for where the property can meet your goals. And the big one is to make sure that this program is the right fit for you. Because if you're gonna invest that amount of money, if you're gonna go forward with this, we wanna make sure it's the right fit. Also, because we've got 12 spots available, we wanna make sure those are filled with people who are able to go through and do renovations and be successful with this. So just before we get into questions, here's what's going to happen. We're going to put one final poll across your screen for you. And you've got three options. You can either say, yes, put me at the top of the list. I want to be on there. You can say, yes, I'm keen to meet with Ilsa and Andrew to talk about it, see whether it is the right fit for me. Or if you're like, hey, this probably isn't for me. I'm just here for the content totally fine. Just let us know that as well. Hit that within the pulse that that we know. We'll keep that up there for the next 15 seconds. Just let us know where you're kind of feeling at the moment and then we can go from there. But I'm really excited about this program and I'm particularly excited by some of the things that we've talked about and seen today that you're doing also. And I know that a lot of property investors are going to get a lot of value about that really handheld service working with you directly. Are you going to come to regret greet actually uh, saying that you were going to I, go to I site forgot, with all of had, these people?
1: I forgot that I had, but it's 12 people. I can handle that in a day. Yeah.
0: Um, Fantastic. Now, for any people who were saying, look, I'm just here for the content. I've got three pieces of content for you. The first is to say, if you want to learn more, Listen to the Property Academy podcast episode th- 593 went live today, uh, which is very exciting. Go go ask, um, and we do have uh, another seven that are coming out. Again, they come out every day. We record them weekly, so they're always very current. A couple of you have asked about that ROI spreadsheet, the cash flow planning spreadsheet that we were talking about, and sh- and uh, that calculated some of those figures. You can go and download that. It's available for free. OpusPartners.co.nz/slash ROI. If you've got any feedback, let me know that is available there. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, we post regularly with a whole heap of educational content to try and let you know what's going on with the market and share some of these key principles as well. So three things you can do, listen to the podcast, download that spreadsheet or follow us on Instagram. We are at opus underscore partners. Hey, let's open it up now and say, well, what else would you like to know? Uh, Andrew, I know you've been attentively looking at those comments. You've been looking at the, uh, the questions that have been coming through. What are people asking?
1: Um, So I've actually got a list of questions. I'm just going to take out my ears so that I can not hear my own voice on this. Um, Some of them are for Elsa specifically. So I might just cover some of those. First of all, Um, I had a lot of questions around the extra bedrooms, uh, but not having an extra bathroom. So do you want to talk to that?
2: yeah that's a very good question to, to cover off uh so coming back to the renovation needing to be appropriate for the property and the location the type of tenant that you will have in there so it, it, this example doesn't suit uh you know there would be suburbs for example if you were to buy a property in remuera you wouldn't have five bedrooms and one bathroom that just would simply be an unex- uh, unacceptable um, way of of living. Um, They would would need to have two or three bathrooms, I'm sure. Um, So the renovation needs to be appropriate to to that location. Um, And the example I put from Whangarei, it is completely suitable um, and um, not not out of line with what you would find Um, these are these are places and I find it it's a far better solution than in um, many suburbs where extended family are trying to squeeze into a smaller place Um, and this is where you see um, garages being converted into bedrooms illegally and they don't meet the healthy home standards and they're not safe dry clean places for families to live so um, everything needs to be done properly correctly and um, appropriately comes down to that at the end of the day.
1: Andrew, what else have you seen? Um, so there's a few questions about the uh, twenty thousand being paid uh, upfront or in installments. We are looking at an installment plan as well for that. Uh, so, so yes, just answer all of that uh, that question. Um, Dreamtime cabins. I've still got a lot of questions about this cabin. Um, Elsa, is that the one? It's, yes, Dreamtime. That's right. Yes. Now we'll send out um, some details tomorrow of. Uh, their, their things, and also uh, we'll talk about getting a discount code or something from them. So um, just wait for that to come in. Next question. Producer David will remind me about that. <laughs> uh, uh, um, One thing,
0: can I just jump in as well and say that we are expecting that with the payment, I guess, for that coaching, that you don't necessarily need to have that in cash. And what I mean by that is some people will refinance that or put it initially against their uh, the equity within their own home before then paying for it out of the renovations. And
1: actually, we've had a lot of questions around um, financing and some of the complexities is around that, so I'm going to waffle on uh, while I can't hear myself, and then I'm going to ask Elsa to add anything that she wants to. So, obviously, with with an existing property, you do need a higher deposit if you're using a main bank. So, to answer the question around deposit, you need to have a 40% deposit or usable equity. So, if you're living in Auckland at the moment and you've got a whole lot of usable equity, you can just tap into that as you can that that um, setup fee or the joining fee, membership fee. Um. But you do need to also have available the funds for the renovations. So that, that can be added onto the loan if you've got the usable equity to be able to do that. And servicings come up a bit. So so yes, you do need to be able to service. Uh, it's probably not any more complicated than buying uh, a new property or, or an existing property that you're gonna rent out because the bank will still recognize the rent that you're going to get in the future uh, for that property. They might not use the new rent, they might just use the, the older rent, I'll, I'll ask her whether or not she has challenges on that, but I know when I've been doing renovations, they'll just take the today's rent, today's value and, and give me the money to borrow, to buy that and then do the renovation project and then the extras, it just comes into the, the, the uplift just becomes recognized later on. Just talking a little bit about the refinance side of things. So once you have added that value, if you've managed to uh, add significant value, you can borrow up against against that property again at 60%. But don't forget that you've got non-bank lenders. There are non-bank lenders which are very, common nowadays and the rates are very reasonable you might pay an extra half a percent or a percent than what you're paying at the bank but if it gives you 80 percent and potentially there might even be some ability to do some renovations in there don't be afraid to use those as well Elsa have you got anything to add there
2: Yes, uh, one other aspect I do want to mention is that the strategy also suits for your own home. So uh, 40% for the investment property side of things, of course, uh, but I've applied the strategy for my own home as well. So, um, you know, in that instance, you can uh, leverage up to that 80%. Um, and of course, you know, if you, um there are several opportunities there with um you know if you uh, have your own home currently with one bank um at 80 percent and then through your broker and buying your next property um that then will become your own occupied home that you do want to renovate um that can also be 80 percent at another lender that's perfectly um legal um and uh, of course, you, you are looking for a property that doesn't meet all of the requirements and doesn't tick all of your boxes, you can purchase a property, renovate it and move into it for yourself and, and leverage that up to 80%. Um,
1: a, Another thing to add there as well is um, that part of the programme will be partnering you with one of the team at Catalyst Financial who can actually look through all these different options and they work with uh, us on a daily basis uh, and um, have some very experienced brokers to figure out whether or not you can either use use a mainstream bank or a mainstream bank for some of it, non-bank for the other, um, and all the things you can add on. But for a lot of people uh, watching who have got usable equity in their home, they'll be able to finance 100% through a number of different means. Um, Richard Chu asked the question, what about external, or uh, exterior painting for cash flow ha- hacking? Do you think there's a good return on investment? Would you re- Would you recommend it?
2: yes well um i have both painted the exterior weatherboards um, of several properties but also a really good professional house wash can do the trick um if the house has been um has lacked love for many many years the paint job can appear pretty brotty but uh sometimes it's just um debris from the weather from road usage um, making the house look more black um, lichen growing on the roof or the tiles um like that can easily be um professionally washed off and make it to bring it back to restore it to a great um condition so it's a case-by-case basis i think from a street appeal perspective um and spending that money you'll definitely get it back in the overall um comparable um condition of the property compared to neighboring properties you you would get that value there but um, i think use it you know case-by-case basis you want to assess it um per property and decide if you need to go through all of that expense and time um, or if you could just give it a quick wash.
1: Uh now there's a question around um whether or not you can offset the cost of renovations um for for tax. So that is something that there's no there's not a definitive answer yet, is there? It's Look like, at you with so your like, arm up oh, holding it's, it's, your thing. Because like, I can hear myself, and it's very echoey doing that. And so, so I'm, so I'm talking slow, which is probably good. Everyone probably likes that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't believe that you're going to be able to. But Ed, have you got? Have you read anything to the contrary of that? No, we have seen nothing to the contrary at yep. the moment. Right, right, and actually, that goes on to Thomas's question, which is, um, uh, is there any clarification on what uh, is considered a new build? Um, you've got a, f- a four-year-old. Uh, new build. Uh, The answer is no. Ed and I are going to Parliament to uh, debate this topic. We're going to storm the beehive. (laughs) So um, yeah, it'll be um, Guy Fawkes 2021. So we're going to see um, whether or not we can get a broad definition of that. Um, Personally, Thomas, I think that your property should be considered new, um, but I wouldn't hang my hat on that. It will probably be uh, interest deductions phased out. Um, uh, that's another question if you're adding a bedroom uh, etc what's the minimum square meter size that you use Ilsa Um, and what are the regulations how does it differ between councils
2: Regarding the council, I would say um, every council has its different rules, so you need to make sure that you act and comply within those. Um, as far as far as the size of the room goes, a single bedroom, you can use your judgment by um, you know, having a look around your own home, what makes a single versus a double and how usable that space is. Um, but a good rule of thumb is to have a minimum of 7.58 square meters for a single bedroom. And ideally, there's space for you um, or um, depending on the wall layout, there might be a nook that you can actually create Create a wardrobe off now not every bedroom would have a wardrobe um, and that's up to you as to whether you think you need to add the wardrobe or if you want to qualify it more as a study room or an office that's up to you but I would say minimum seven and a half eight square meters for a single
0: hey now I just have noticed as well a question in the uh, zoom chat as well what is the dream cabin code uh, there isn't a code right now we made it up as a bit of a joke as we were going on as we sometimes do um, but let's give it a go and see whether we might be able to get one and I'm, if I'm, we can we'll email it out
2: I'm definitely going to have a go for that and I'm sure he'll be more than um, excited to have <laughs> such well, a I wonder and... if
1: we've shut it down with the amount of uh, traffic we've sent there tonight
2: To dream, Kevin. I know he won't know what's hit. He has no idea about this webinar. So, (laughs) Actually, if my friend Michelle is on here, she was the friend who's another co-investor who recommended it to her friend's business. So um, she may have already tipped him off. I'm not sure.
1: A lot of questions around healthy homes. So uh, all of your uh, properties, including healthy homes compliance, and what does that roughly cost per property, Elsa?
2: Yes, really good question. I um, should have covered that off earlier. So um, this is very, very important for the buy buying right part of the process. Um, in terms of costs, uh, a heat pump, which is generally the most common fixed um, heating that uh, most common heating that investors are installing, you're looking. It is size dependent um, for the cost, but you're looking at roughly two to three thousand dollars for the unit and the labour. Fully installed cost. I would allow three thousand dollars to be safe on that, and that needs to be installed for every living area. And the way that that living area is defined is by um, the door. So uh, the an issue can arise where you have a um, a open plan living area that actually continues into the hallway, if there is no door that separates the hallway from that living space, that total area including the hallway is included in the calculation. And there is a specific calculation for the size of the heat pump um, that needs to be applied there. So that's a really huge watch out that you need to to understand when you're renovating. Um, Costs around the insulation, there are specific R ratings and this is to do with the thickness and the, the level of insulating Factor you get from various materials that you can choose both for ceiling and underfloor. Um, plus a membrane, a moisture membrane, that needs to now be put underneath the floor to reduce the effect of moisture coming up from ground level, Um, that is usually on a per meter basis. But um, what I could tell you is from a 90 square meter house that I have renovated, you're looking at roughly um, perhaps $1,500 to $2,000 for the underfloor and another $3,000 for the ceiling um, as a rough estimate. keeping in mind that by July 1st this year, um, a lot of these conditions need to be in place. I would say that a lot of suppliers of insulation and the like are absolutely run off their feet. And I wouldn't be surprised if prices are increasing. So the sooner, the better you install that. Um, those would be the two um, main ones. There are some small niggles with the healthy homes that I found have really caught me um, with some of my existing properties that have cost an absolute fortune. So when you are buying, be very mindful um, drafts. This is a really um, difficult one to know, but there are ways where professionals can measure the draft flow coming through. Where you have a garage with internal access, this can be a real... Um, issue with the doors not meeting the carpet or there being a really obvious draft coming through because the garage itself is letting in a lot of cold air, that can be quite costly to fix. What I have found is actually with timber windowed houses there are a number of um, drafts that I need to correct in a few of the properties and that's because timber moves it's not as robust and as um, stationary as aluminium joinery so there are additional costs that um, the audit itself when um, an audit um, professional comes out to run the report on a property will charge you around 500 to a thousand dollars for that report and then it will quote all of the remedial works that need to be done to bring your house up to um, healthy home standards and it's a completely open-ended question with that as to what you may be spending Um, i would really um, urge you to, to have a good look at where drafts can come in because i think that's an area where you really don't get the value uplift by um by actioning the remedial
0: work, but it is very costly. And Um, now we're gonna have time for just two more questions before we wrap it up. Now, Ella, you've got a great question for us. She's asked, wouldn't drawing all the available equity out of a property ruin the cash flow when you
1: go to refinance? Andrew, what do you think about this? No, because that's factored into your calculations. You're factoring in uh, when you take that money back out and recycling that deposit. Um, those numbers and in your initial calculations fantastic and let's give one more to ilsa before we wrap up uh let's see i've got a, a few more here oh um uh, ryan's asked have you had to deal with hazards such as asbestos um and bathroom vinyl etc and your renovations much is there much profit in dealing with these and um do you tend to avoid it and also i've got some experience in this
2: Uh, I have. I've had one example with asbestos, so I'll I'll let Andrew um, fill the gaps where I I don't give a complete answer, but um, there are two types of asbestos. There is an A class and a B class. Um, I can't quite recall which way around it is, but one of them is significantly more expensive to uh, dispose of. Um, professionally than the other Um, and also what I would say is that um, I did have an asbestos report conducted on this property and the materials that both myself and the builder and um, plumber all suspected were the asbestos containing materials actually weren't Um, so when the report the third party independent um, report came through um, they had identified other materials Um, so um, we had around um, 10 square meters of asbestos contaminated material to remove and it cost about three and a half thousand dollars and that was in hamilton and um, in- so
1: my so my story just taking out that um, so i had a, a asbestos wall in a property um that we were uh, doing the renovations ourselves. um i removed it with a friend without knowing and uh, so so I realized after we were putting it in the skip and I said, oh, what does this hardy board say on the back? It says asbestos. Um, but I had been involved in other <laughs> hazardous uh, properties. Uh, one of the properties that I just recently sold had an asbestos roof. It was going to be significantly expensive to, to uh, fix that. Uh, and it was starting to leak. Um, so in that case, I decided actually, I'd rather just be done with that property and, and move on to the next one. Um, but there was a lot of kind of deferred maintenance on that. Um, we'd 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 structurally um, uh, secured that property because it was an earthquake damaged property. But but generally speaking, I I tend to avoid anything major like that. I haven't done anything like a a, re- a reclad of a of a um, leaky home. Um, that's not kind of been my thing. I want to be in and out as quickly as possible. And I think when there are a lot of comments around, you know, a lot of these renovations seem cheap that is because you keep them cheap. You keep whatever you can that's in there. You clean whatever you can and and you just get in and out as quickly as possible. This isn't going to be your house to live in. So just make sure it's fit for the area, but get in and out as quickly as possible and as cheaply as possible.
0: Fantastic. Look, let's wrap it up there. There are two things that I just want to mention before we go. Well, three, actually. The first is I want to thank you for coming along. It's great that you've spent, uh, we've been on for almost an hour and a half now talking about renovations. And I think that it's Fantastic that you're sitting at home, actually interested in how to improve your financial position and spending this time with us. So, I want to say thank you for that. The second thing is that if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the service, we do have a page on the Opus Partners website. It's called Renovations Coaching, where you'll be able to read a little bit more about what that program includes. It walks through in words or in detail Elsa's renovation, the one in Hamilton. So you can check that out. That is on our website. We'll send out the link tomorrow. Lastly, I also just want to mention, follow us again on Instagram. This is my favorite pet project at the moment where we're creating a whole heap of content to try and keep people up to date with what's going on in the market and some key lessons some key concepts that we can teach you guys as well so please do follow us on instagram we have a lot of fun messaging you there as well and connecting with you right let's wrap it up there but i just want to say again a big thank you to you to coming along a big thank you to ilsa for uh coming and sharing her knowledge a big thank you to producer david who makes all of the technology work and of course to uh my wingman andrew nickel for coming along as well thanks so much guys and we'll see you guys next month at another week another month another webinar